Well, good morning. I'm going to be quiet a little bit. I just want to, I just want to look at you again. Um, it's good to be back. Uh, I see so many faces that I don't know, and praise God. I also see a lot of faces that I know very well, and praise God. It's good to see you. I was actually back in December, and over half of the people said, it's great to see you. Where's Linda? And I said, uh, well, she's still back in Florida. And uh, they said, well, don't come back unless you bring her the next time. So Linda, could you go ahead and stand up and... So I do listen, and I, I repented and, and uh, brought her with me. Many people have also asked us, well, how is life in the United States? And I can say it's very difficult. Uh, Linda and I have really never been adults in the U.S., and learning how to be an adult in the United States is not very easy. Uh, learning how to take, we actually have a yard. We never had grass in China. And so there are many things that we're learning to do again. And uh, with April coming up and all the taxes. Uh, but I will tell you that if for any reason the Lord sends you back to Singapore or Australia or the United States, the Lord is still present in those places too. So you will be okay. You will be okay. But we do miss it here. In fact, as we were coming back, we were thinking on some of the early days here at Capital Community, and I was thinking of an evening that Linda and I uh, were able to go and spend an evening with Tom and Iris Lauder and John and Annalisa Gates, and Chuck and Elaine Davis, who at that time were serving with the U.S. Embassy and have since gone to other locations, were also there with us that night. And two things about Chuck and Elaine stood out to us and stood out to me. One was they brought two huge bags of Tostitos chips. And you couldn't get chips at that time in this city. And so even though we loved having the fellowship with Chuck and Elaine, we said, hey, could you come over more often and get some of these chips? Because they were incredible. But the second thing we remember from that night is uh, our diversion was we played the game Two Truths and a Lie. I don't know if you're familiar with the game. You say three statements. Two of them are true. Uh, One of them is a lie, and you have to guess which one. And Elaine won the game because when she said that she had spent a night in jail, we all thought, well, that's impossible because Elaine is just about the sweetest, kindest person you could ever, ever meet in your life. But she explained the story. It really had happened. She was, had just been married to Chuck. And uh, they were taking a trip with his parents. And they had one of those really fun all-night drives. And they were going through Texas in the wintertime. And uh, Elaine was a little cold, so she bundled up in all of her blankets. and was in the back seat there. And she woke up and noticed the car had it was stopped. They were at a rest area, and no one was in the car, and she thought, well, you know, I might as well use the restroom. She gets up, goes to the restroom, comes back, car's gone. And so she's thinking, okay, 
one of those initiation to the family jokes. You know, they went off and drove somewhere. And so she's sitting there and she waits five minutes and she says, ha ha. And they're still not back. And so then she waits another five minutes and she starts getting a little angry and says, you know, a joke is a joke, but that's long enough. And then when she got to 15 minutes and she's starting to get colder and colder and it's late at night and she doesn't know where she is, the fear starts setting in. So now she's thinking, I wonder if they left me. Well, then a car pulls up. So, of course, you know, heart's beating a little bit more. And then she saw it was the police. And uh, now, obviously, for those of you who are younger in this room, you realize there was a day before cell phones. So that was not an option, okay? (laughs) So the police kind of say, what are you doing here? And she said, well, (laughs) I just got married. My husband left me. (laughs) And they said, well, we can't do anything about that. But, you know, we do have the police station just down the road. If you want to, you can go to the police station. She said, I'd love to go to the police station. (laughs) And just kind of like in Mayberry RFD, she kind of goes into the jail cell and sleeps there that night, very warm. Well, now you're saying, well, Chuck, you know, what are they doing? Well, they drove all the way to Dallas, three and a half hours, pull up in the driveway and say, okay, Elaine, we're here, and pull off the blankets, and there's no one there. You know, so the first thought is, did the rapture happen, and we didn't make it? Okay, but, you know, they kind of realized, okay, there was a problem there, so let's kind of backtrack, and they backed, you know, the last time we stopped was at that rest area three and a half hours ago, so they drove back there, of course she's not there, make their way to the police station, and there's Elaine. So they were reunited, they have a very good marriage, they're still together, they have worked through it all, okay? <laughs> but today, that kind of brings us to actually a story in scripture, it's, it's Palm Sunday, and we will talk a little bit about Palm Sunday, but we're actually going to go to the Old Testament today. So if you have your Bible, we're going to look at another family reunion, a husband and wife reunion of sorts, and this is in Exodus chapter 18. Uh, This is Moses being reunited with his family, and we're going to talk through the entire chapter 18, and we're going to learn a little bit about family reunions, we're going to learn about giving glory to God. We're going to talk a little bit about delegation, but also this chapter has a very special way of speaking into two areas, two issues or problems that have bothered me all my life about the story in Exodus. So we're going to look at that too. So we got a lot to look at together. So why don't you go up and open up your Bibles and we'll look at Exodus chapter 18. And yes, I need my glasses now. And we'll start in verse 1. So Exodus chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. Now Jethro, the priest of Midian and father-in-law of Moses, heard of everything God had done for Moses and for his people Israel, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. After Moses had sent away his wife Zipporah, his father-in-law Jethro received her and her two sons. One son was named Gershom, for Moses said, I have become an alien in a foreign land. And the other was named Eliezer, for he said, My father's God was my helper. He saved me from the sword of Pharaoh. 
Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' sons and wife, came to him in the desert where he camped near the mountain of God. Jethro had sent word to him, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today through the power of your Holy Spirit, through your goodness and generosity. We pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts to see what you have to say to each one of us today. Lord, be lifted and glorified and allow us to see you more clearly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, the scene is that Moses saw the burning bush after, in his 80th year, he had been fleeing from Egypt for 40 years. He went from being a man of ultimate confidence to a man of brokenness and no confidence, and the Lord called him to go back to Egypt. Moses heard the call, obeyed the call, and with his wife, two sons, headed back to Egypt. And we have that very bizarre story of the angel stopping Moses on his way back to Egypt and was going to kill Moses until Zipporah circumcised his son. And then the angel allowed him to pass, and Moses went on, and we know the rest of the story. That through the ten plagues, through God's mighty acts, through crossing the Red Sea, God took two million Israelites out of the land of Egypt and took them to the promised land. And in that time, we see the Lord doing an incredible thing. Now, what happened to Zipporah and the two boys, we don't really know. All we know is they're no longer with Moses. And so now we're sitting there looking at three, four months later, Moses' father-in-law, also without cell phone, saying, oh, by the way, let me bring your wife and her two sons back to you. If I'm going to summarize the first six verses in, in Exodus chapter 18, I kind of get this, <clears throat> Moses, your wife, your two sons, here they are. You kind of get this feeling that Moses had in, in all the business of what he was doing, had somewhat abandoned his family. Now, most scholars will say that Moses sent them away because he knew he was going to be in the eye of the storm in facing Pharaoh. And so for protection for the family, he probably sent them back to Jethro, to her father. But this came to the time where they had already crossed the Red Sea, and it was a time of peace. But you see that it is Jethro's initiation to bring them back. And so as a group of men and I were studying, and I do want to encourage the men to consider going to the men's retreat, by the way, an incredible time. We've enjoyed that many times at the Great Wall. But as in a men's study that I've been, been in, we came up with what we call the Zippera question. We've turned her name into a verb, and we just say, have you Zippered lately? Okay, and what that means is, has there been a situation in your life where you feel that you have been distant or abandoned those who are very close to you. Because in this verse, the way Jethro is saying, that here is your wife and her two sons, it's almost a feeling that Moses, in all the busyness and all the good things he had been called to do, had turned his back a little bit 
on Zipporah and her sons. And Jethro comes with a gentle reminder, saying, Moses, your wife, her sons. So what we did as men is we decided we're going to go ask our wives, had they ever felt like Zipporah? Um, That is not a comfortable question, by the way. So make sure you've eaten a good meal. Make sure that you have a lot of margin in your heart. But really, it's a great question to go to a spouse, to go to a roommate, to a good friend, and say, have you felt in any way that I have been distancing myself from you? Now, I did that uh, with Linda. Uh, That week, we had covenanted that we would ask our spouses that week if we had ever done that to them. But, you know, of course, I chose a time right before I knew we were going to arrive someplace, so it really didn't give her an opportunity to answer, but I had done it, okay? (laughs) But then, as I confessed that later on, we did have a chance to ask the question, and it was revealing, okay? Not, Not real easy, but I thought, why should I talk about something two months ago? Let's talk about this week. So this week, we come back to Beijing. Uh, I'm up early in the morning, spiritual and jet lag at the same time. I'm preparing this actual part of the passage. And as I'm focusing on what am I going to say, what am I going to say, the word Brazil keeps coming to my mind. You think, now, where is that coming from? Well, the day before we left... Uh, Florida to come here. I'd been asked to go to Brazil at the end of May and to do a training. And I had just seen the cartoon Rio, and I thought, I'd love to go to Brazil. (laughs) I love these leaders I would be able to be with. I love what they're doing, and uh, I wanted to go. And I said, Linda, hey, you know, trip at the end of May, and, you know, let's go to, I'm going to go to Brazil. And Linda said, well, you do remember that Jonathan's graduation is on May 30th which, of course, I hadn't, but then I was reminded, I thought, okay, so I wrote real quickly, and I said, okay, I have to be back on the 30th, uh, I'd have to leave a day early, and said, no problem, that's great, why don't you do that? So I told Linda, no problem, graduation's at 3, check the flights, I can be back by 11 o'clock in the morning, four hours to spare. <laughs> okay, now I see a lot of people doing this right now. And I should have been doing that. I, what was I thinking? Okay, I even mentioned it to a friend, and they said, really? <laughs> and so, so I'm, I'm preparing this passage, and I'm thinking, you know, focus on Jethro and Moses, and all I hear is Brazil, Brazil, Brazil. And so I just thought, okay, I'm just going to end this. Linda, do, do you have a problem if I went to Brazil and showed up four hours before Jonathan's? graduation and she said well you know she's you know Linda she's very kind she said well it's not just the ceremony it's kind of like the whole week is important and the kids are coming home from college it it, it was a done deal so I just said okay I'm going to give up on this and I'm going to tell them I'm sorry I can't go and when I made that decision that moment I just felt this rush of peace You know, I let go of something that I really wanted for something that was even better, but also because the Lord through Linda spoke to me. But I'm sitting up here today realizing, you know, I still haven't written them (laughs) to say I'm not coming. So I think I have something to do today. Okay. But there is is peace 
and there is release when we ask those questions of those who are closest to us and we let them really speak into our lives. That's very important. So I want to challenge you, uh, men and women, husbands and wives, fathers and mothers, children, roommates, ask people around you, have I zippered you in any way? And pray for the grace to receive what they have to say so that you can continue to love and grow together. It's a difficult question, but an important question. Now, we don't know what happened. Did Moses ever have a Zipporah conversation? We don't know. Scripture is silent on this, but I think it is a good reminder to us that God has put special people into our lives, and we really need to grow close to them. We're going to continue reading, so if you will look at 18, we're going to go ahead and keep reading in verse 7. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. They greeted each other and then went into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, Praise be to the Lord, who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh, and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God, and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. What we see here is Moses recounting to his father-in-law about what his father-in-law had already heard, how Moses and the Israelites had been rescued from the mightiest power at that time, from Egypt and from Pharaoh. But it's interesting in this passage that Moses, all he could talk about was what the Lord had done, what the Lord had done, what the Lord had done, how the Lord rescued us, how the Lord rescued us. And it's always bothered me. One of the things that's bothered me in Scripture is in Numbers 12, 3, where it says, and Moses who was the most humble man, more humble than anyone on earth. I thought, now how can you be humble, more humble than anyone on earth, and yet kind of have this said about you? That doesn't sound really humble to me. But I think right here we see that really Moses was humble to the core. And the reason he was humble to the core was because he was filled with God. He had a big God who had rescued him, and he was filled. And I think these verses here remind me that if I want to trust the Lord and to abide in him as you are focusing on this year, the only way that's going to happen is if I'm filled with the goodness of God and the greatness of God and not myself. And it's just really great to see how Moses is giving all glory to God at this time. How he has rescued, the God has rescued the people, not Moses. Moses isn't talking about what he's done and how the Lord used him. 
He's honestly saying, let's see what the Lord has done. And Jethro, his father-in-law, through Moses' testimony, says, now I know who the true God is. And again, it's a reminder to us, abide in Christ. It's all about Christ and what he has done, not what we have done. And this week is Passion Week. You have been rescued, just like the Israelites. You've been taken across the Red Sea. Your sins have been forgiven, not because of what you've done, nothing because of what you've done, but because of what Christ did on the cross for my sin and for your sin. So this week, let's meditate on and reflect on what God has done for us. He has rescued us. He has saved us. He has freed us from our sin. And let's meditate on that this Passion Week and give all glory and all honor and all praise to God and even to some people who don't know the Lord yet. So like Jethro, they too will come to know the true God. Well, lastly, in the last part of this chapter, and this is usually when I've taught this chapter, it's on the last 13, 14 verses where Moses, his father-in-law, comes before him and tells him that he needs to delegate, that Moses is sitting there from morning until night giving judgment to all the people of Israel. And if I wanted to summarize this last half of chapter 18, I would summarize it with one word. Really? Jethro is looking at Moses and saying, really? You're going to be the judge for two million people? You're going to make all these decisions for them? And Moses, I think he's just a very responsible person, and of course he's going to do it. And so that's what Moses would do. But when Moses' father-in-law came to him and said, I think what you're doing is not a good thing, Moses did something which shows again that he's a humble man. He listened. He listened to all that his father-in-law has said, and he applied it to his life. Now, you can sit there and say, well, did it work out well? Did the judges, the uh, thousands and hundreds and tens, did they work out well? Well, very quickly, I will look and tell you, no, it didn't work out that well at all at first. And so I'm going to read for us uh, in chapter 24. And we're going to look at verses 13 to 18 real quickly. Exodus 24, verse 13. Then Moses set out with Joshua his aid, and Moses went up on the mountain of God. He said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. Aaron and Hur are with you, and anyone involved in a dispute can go to them. When Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days, the cloud covered the mountain. On the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To all the Israelites, the glory of God looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Then Moses entered the cloud as he went on up the mountain, and he stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. So we know that Moses was able to take... 40 days and 40 nights completely from leading Israel, went up on the mountain to pray and to seek the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord gave the Ten Commandments. Moses received the law, and he was able to take it back to the people. 
And you say because Moses had learned how to delegate responsibilities to others, he was able to receive from the Lord and bless the people. But what happened wasn't that great, is it? Chapter 32, the golden calf. And we see that Aaron really, he blew it. He fell to the pressure of the people. And as Aaron said, well, you know, it's not my fault. They just brought their gold earrings and I put it in the fire and poof, this golden calf popped out. That's literally what he said. So, you know, I guess some people believe that. But that's what Aaron did. And you sit there and you say, okay, Moses learned how to delegate to others and to trust responsibility to them. And this is how they let him down. And you sit there and you ask a question, did Moses do the right thing in delegating to these leaders? But the problem, and the second problem that has always puzzled me, one of them in uh, Exodus, is 3,000 people after the golden calf were slaughtered. And then the Lord put a plague on the people. But Aaron continues to be the priest. Have you ever asked, how did that happen? How did Aaron get out of that one? Let's turn to Deuteronomy. Because the word tells us what happened and why. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verses 18 to 20. Then once again, I, Moses, fell prostrate before the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights. I ate no bread and drank no water because of all the sin you had committed, doing what was evil in the Lord's sight and so provoking him to anger. I feared the anger and wrath of the Lord, for he was angry enough with you to destroy you. But again, the Lord listened to me, and the Lord was angry enough with Aaron to destroy him. But at that time, I prayed for Aaron too. Moses had spent 40 days with the Lord, had received the law, came back, saw the sinful people, saw his brother, saw what his brother had fallen to and had done, and Moses went back on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. And he prayed to the Lord for mercy on the people, but for mercy on his brother. You ask me, why was Aaron spared? I would say because Moses interceded on his behalf and came before the Lord. So in chapter 18 here, and in some of these succeeding verses, we see what it means to abide. Abide is a moment-by-moment time where we entrust our entire lives to the Lord. But abiding also means that we're removing ourselves from things that will keep us from abiding in the Lord. Moses was judging the people from morning till night. He needed that word to help free him so he could pull away. So Moses could go spend 40 days in the presence of the Lord and intercede. And even though the people and his brother let him down at times, he still had the margin to go back, to go before the Lord, to intercede for his people. If you want to love the people who are closest to you, follow the Lord, chase the Lord, ask the Lord to, like Moses, give you a heart that goes after him 100%. Then you will have the spiritual resources to love your family, to love people who work with you, your roommates, your friends. That's the greatest gift you can give them as you abide in the Lord. But if your time is set up in such a way that you don't have that margin, you're not going to have the spiritual resources 
to be a blessing to others as Moses was to the Israelites and to his brother Aaron. So in summary, in this passage, I want you to think about your own schedule. And where has your schedule become so busy that you've crowded out those people you love the most, that you've withdrawn from the Lord, and ask him to give you the wisdom and the grace to follow through? But lastly, I want to bring you back to Exodus chapter 18, and we're going to look at one more thing that Jethro said to Moses that was so important. So in Exodus chapter 18, after Jethro had given Moses all of his um, suggestions in verse 23, it says, If you do this, and God so commands you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. I think it's very important what Jethro just did there. He said, here's my suggestion. But if the Lord so commands. Some of you are sitting in here maybe feeling a little bit guilty and, well, I see this man does this and this woman does this, but that's, they're not your audience. Your audience is the Lord. So really, in the end, what it comes down today is if you're going to ask the zipper a question, if you're going to see, are you giving glory to yourself or to the Lord, or if you're going to see, are you scheduling your time in such a way that you can focus on the Lord and getting the spiritual strength and resources from him, if you're abiding in Christ, other people, they're not your judge, and don't compare yourself to other people. God is your audience. God is the one who commands you. God is the one that you are going to be getting these resources to follow him. So let's rest in the peace of the Lord, abide in Christ, and trust God to speak to us individually, each one of us. And if we come alongside a brother, we can come alongside with a prayer and with a question. But again, let's give it to the Lord and trust the Lord to be the Lord in each other's lives, not us not us. Let's close in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your humble servant Moses, who was so filled with evidences of God's glory in his life that he was able to lead your people, the people of Israel, out of Egypt to the promised land. Father, we thank you that he was able to listen to advice and to see how he could change the way he lived his life to live differently, to give him the margin and the spiritual resources to let you be Lord of his heart. Thank you too, Father, for the way that he has been an example for us to consider how we're spending our time with you and with our loved ones. Give us the strength, give us the power to hear your voice and follow. May we truly abide in your son, Jesus Christ, and especially this week, give thanksgiving for how you have rescued us through Jesus' death on the cross for our sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.